0: time to talk training, fitness, and health on the Weight Endurance Podcast.
1: We're not doctors, dietitians, or physiologists.
0: We're professional coaches,
1: and your hosts, Cody and Kathy Waite. We've worked with hundreds of endurance athletes over the last 15 years through our training facility, plans, and programs.
0: Within this podcast, we're sharing our own training and racing experiences, along with the knowledge gained from working with our athletes.
1: We'll be shedding light on the training methodologies that we've found to be the most successful in making you a fitter and faster cyclist. Welcome back. I am Cody. And I'm Kathy. And you're listening to the Weight Endurance Podcast. We're into episode number 53. Um, and this this show is going to be a QA show. A lot of questions coming in over the yeah. last couple weeks.
0: hodgepodge,
1: cornucopia. Right? <laughs> We've got questions from our young uh, WeDevo athletes, our base builder athletes, um, some of our custom training plan coaching athletes via email. Um, and I just sort of picked. Yeah. Well, we both picked ones that are like, well, as they were coming in over the last two weeks, we're like, oh, that'd be a good question for the <laughs> podcast. So, you know, we think there's probably not just that one person with that question, but probably m- more people out there listening. Well, in
0: fact, I learned something from one of our young writers' questions, Luca. I'm like, oh, I didn't know that either. So it was quite fascinating. So send your questions in because then I'll learn.
1: Yeah, I think these questions are good. And um, the, the more people send stuff in... I mean, it is that time of year as people are getting going and figuring, I guess, us out as their coaches and and our training plan methodologies. They have a lot of questions, but um, yeah, keep them coming. They're fun to, we we enjoy answering them. Yeah,
0: so we'll just have a bunch of questions in this episode and and then we'll move on to fascinating topics like telomeres in future episodes. (laughs) (laughs) Cody's book reports, as I call them. (laughs) The
1: book reports. Um, All right, well... Actually, one announcement before we get going um, is we're going to have our 2021 kit order, so our jerseys and bibs and things, coming online, our kit store. We use um, QRA of Switzerland, USA, which is based out of Boulder, a great company. This will be our fourth year, I think, using it. I've lost
0: this. track, but it's beautiful clothing. Yeah. I love how it fits. It's high quality I believe if you're going to be on your bike as many hours as most of our listeners listeners are going to be, and myself included, you have to be comfortable. For sure. Like a crappy chamois is just not worth it. A
1: crappy chamois. That's right. Yeah, you don't want to. We. Yeah, I won't go there. But we, you <laughs> definitely don't want a crappy chamois.
0: Protect your parts.
1: Um, and yeah, I mean, invest in yourself. I guess. Um, in being comfortable on the bike, and hopefully a little stylish as well.
0: Yeah, I you created a new design with the help of scott tetzel up at corey and it's beautiful yeah and um we'll be opening up the kit store soon when did you decide we're gonna do that Uh,
1: i think it's possibly as early as about a week like the week i think it's the week of thanksgiving like that monday i think it's gonna open up it'll be open just for two weeks so through the week of thanksgiving and then that week after thanksgiving um then you, you pop online um we'll probably give some sort of Little discount code to our podcast listeners, um, which we will probably in the next episode we'll get out there so people can shop, um, <clears throat> save a little bit of money, but just to encourage people to buy some stuff. And um, last year, I think this was the same time window we had last year. And this once the shop closes, the orders processed. Uh, it took about five ish weeks. They're really pretty fast, and we're ahead of like the the normal kit orders, you know. Like the queue, we're pretty far ahead in the queue at this point. So that's why it comes pretty quick. And stuff was showing up last year, like right after New Year's, which was really cool. Kind of like those, Mm. you know. Yeah.
0: And the cool thing with this ordering process is that the orders are shipped right to a person's house. So if someone's ordering from California, it's not coming to us. And then we're going to like package it up and mail it.
1: Exactly. You'll pop online. It's the store. You add what you want to your cart. And another cool little side note too um, is you can Kure has this great program where you can kind of custom tailor the options to fit you specifically. Now you may may or may not know what changes you would want to make if you've never had the Kure stuff before, but maybe you do. Maybe you're a long, tall, lanky person, or you know you're a shorter, stubbier person. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That sounds so attractive. Longer, lengthened, or shortened in terms of like the short length. You know how far down the leg towards the knee it goes the arm length like oh how yeah far i down love that i love
0: that one because i have these long crazy arms and i like to add four centimeters
1: i think that's correct yeah. so
0: it's, it's kind of nice for people to be able to customize it
1: yeah and the jersey hem so if you're short torso long torso type of person um and yeah that's like two centimeter increments so it's pretty cool you get it you can kind of customize it that way on your own and then you check out you pay with your own payment preferences and have it shipped right to your house so it's it's a pretty cool um, system, and then uh, lastly, any profits made above and beyond what Core takes as the manufacturer uh, will be turned and put right into the We Development 501c3 nonprofit sports team. So, buy yourself a kit or two, or some you know various arm warmers, jackets, things that we'll have in the um, in the store, and know that you're helping to support a, a good cause, junior development. Um, so we'll, we'll be talking about that in the next couple of episodes and giving more details and have a, the design to show off here shortly. So look on our social media on Instagram. We'll probably be posting that towards the end of the coming week. So um, get those kit orders in. So other than that, um, what are we what are, what are we up to?
0: Well, we are recording this podcast episode live from Cave Creek, Arizona, one of our favorite places to be. Yes. So we've escaped our laundry room in Lakewood, Colorado. (laughs) Cracks me up every time. (laughs) Dodged a
1: little bit of cold, windy weather, I've heard.
0: Yes, that is very true. And we got out of town for a little bit. We're very fortunate we can do our work from the road. And um, yeah, we've been in Arizona for two weeks. I'm going to leave this afternoon on a plane to fly home, and you and Sophia are going to ride a few more days, right? And one more one more solid, solid week. week.
1: Yeah, of our build. So we're into the seventh week of like our base builder progression. Um so it's one more week of really solid training. Um which you accomplished the last two weeks. Well maybe you should talk about what you've been in.
0: Yeah. Well <laughs> I I love coming to Arizona. It is my it's my happy one of my happy places. And I I just realized as we were even driving out of town, like how tired I was, like, I think just like kind of worn out from the world with the pandemic and the, the election and worrying about people I love because my parents actually had come down with COVID and I was, they're they recovered, they're fine, but I was worried about them. And then as we're leaving town, I find out that our oldest daughter also had COVID and I like literally fell apart and a girlfriend called and I was like <laughs> sobbing on the phone. And I was like, wow, I'm really just like worn out. And this trip has been so good for me just to kind of get away from normal stresses, keeping my house clean or whatever, whatever, and just slept a lot and enjoyed the sunshine of Arizona, enjoyed riding my bike, and so grateful that we got to do some of our workouts and our long rides in new terrain and new new territory.
1: Yeah, that's always fun when you have some like a, a bigger than average training week or two <clears throat> on tap to be able to go to a new place. You
0: yeah. Know? Even if it's not
1: new, but a, a different place, a different place what you're normal. So,
0: right. And, um, yeah, I just feel like more rejuvenated now and more refreshed and I'm very grateful. We got away, um, just to, yeah, kind of get a reset and get some awesome solid miles in.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. How, how's this trip gone for
1: you? Um, great. No complaints. Um, like you said earlier that kind of when COVID hit, we decided like, let's, we're taking everything online and remote and virtual and all mm-hmm. those fancy buzzwords. And, um, <laughs> I mean, having the flexibility now of we moved up from, a, a van, the van life and up to RV life, <laughs>
0: <laughs> you were like the youngest in the RV parks and we stop.
1: And, um, I mean, it, it is great cause we can take everything with us. We've got power sources so we can do our podcasts. we you know we can do all our computer work and um well sometimes internet's
0: an issue but we usually make do with a coffee shop somewhere
1: yeah we've been figuring it out so uh, um yeah it's been great to be able i think i think a lot of people can relate with the the remote work life right as being possibly a a positive which i mean it it's been both a positive and a negative for us i suppose because we do miss the you know the in-person interaction of training people at our training facility and um but i mean this is a great alternative i suppose (laughs) so but anyway around that rabbit hole i mean that my training's been great been riding let's
0: let's back up let's talk about where we went We, we first went to prescott for a week and um just to say a little bit about that place
1: prescott um I mean, it's it's a really cool town in the kind of central part of Arizona, in between, like, Phoenix and Flagstaff, mm-hmm. more or less. 5,000-ish um, feet of elevation, so similar to Denver. Um, you know, on the higher points, there's some pine trees. The lower points, it's more deserty. It hasn't rained um, in Arizona of any significance probably in months.
0: Yeah, it was really dry in the campground.
1: Yeah, and it is a desert here, obviously, but... Um, it's like abnormally like a dr- drought one of the bigger right. droughts they've had in a while and i think that's i mean denver's had a pretty massive drought i mean most of the west probably um but anyway so it was it was dry but um the the riding was still really great and um
0: yeah my favorite route that you found for us was uh riding up and over mingus mountain mm-hmm. down into this funny little town called jerome which is an old mining town mm-hmm. that has a a legend that it's haunted so there's some interesting shops there like there was a hamburger place called haunted hamburger and I, I hear there are ghost tours so that was fun to explore a new area
1: yeah yeah mingus mountains is a great climb that's where we're doing our strength interval our aerobic strength intervals um right. and you know it, yeah it's a really cool climb i don't know how to explain yeah well <laughs> you
0: and sophia took two bikes each you had options. You and Sophia had your road bikes and your mountain bikes. I only took my mountain bike for a couple reasons. Number one, I'm more comfortable on my mountain bike. And with doing higher miles, we wanted to make sure that my left knee IT band doesn't get didn't get um, irritated. Mm-hmm. So we stuck with the tried and true mountain bike. And then I wanted to be able to, when I'm home this week before you and Sophia return, I want to be able to ride my road bike. So I just left that at home so I didn't have to transport bikes. So it made for a little bit interesting... You know, workouts where you and Sophia might choose, like, on Mingus Mountain to be on your road bikes. And I'm on my mountain bike, so I was lagging a little behind. But it worked. You know, we caught up with each other. Yeah. It was so fun. I loved that ride. Yeah, so then we spent a week in Prescott. And then we went came down to the Phoenix area because your dad's in Cave Creek. And mm-hmm. we stayed with him. And our other daughter, Noel, flew into town. And we had another amazing week of training.
1: Yeah. Weather's been warm. Uh, borderline, almost too warm. Not to brag, but um,
0: <laughs> no, I don't think it was too warm.
1: <laughs> it's getting there. It's getting It's supposed to be like ninety degrees or yeah, something.
0: Yeah, one morning though, we had to put on knee warmers even here and wool socks. It
1: started out chilly, yeah, um, but it's warming up.
0: Yeah, and then you and Sophie even jumped in on a um, like a group ride at, on Saturday morning, and like hauled balls around the Phoenix area. She loved that.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's a a group ride called the BOS, um, named after a a bike store that I don't think is in existence anymore called Bicycles of Scottsdale, I believe. Mm -hmm. And this group ride has been around for like 30 plus years. I mean, I, I would do this group ride as a teenager myself growing up. Um, and so I haven't, I hadn't been on it probably in 20 years or something like that. So, um, to be able to kind of reconnect, it's the same exact route. Um, So cool. Yeah, and, I mean, the faces obviously have changed, but, um, it was, yeah, it was fun just to do that, and I think Sophia enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, I don't have the nerve to jump in on those road rides, but um, I love that Sophia's brave enough to try. She said she got, like, 309 TSS in the four or five hours you guys were riding, so she was exhausted.
1: Yeah, that was a, a big ride for sure. Yeah, But, yeah, so, we're, I mean, we're kind of wrapping up the final weeks of our... Um, of this training block. Mm-hmm. So we have recovery week. Those of, those listening on the base builder program, we have one more week coming up of continued training and then a recovery week. And that's what Sophia and I are going to get that last week. I think you know, it would be worthwhile speaking briefly at least on what we did with you, mm-hmm. knowing that you um, are not a particularly high volume rider. <laughs> um, no, I am not. We figured that out over, over the last several years that... You know, if you do too much, your body just pushes back and something happens, something gets inflamed. Well,
0: either something gets inflamed, like my my knee IT band area, or I'm just like, I don't sleep well. I even had a couple nights here where I didn't sleep that great because I was like Mm. pushing that boundary of like,
1: I'm
0: doing a lot, I'm doing a lot, I'm doing a lot, and and my body's like, oh, maybe we're not even going to let you sleep because you're kind of tired.
1: Right, right. And that's an interesting... Thing that happens yeah, that people do like, like you train more and when you start getting like where you're getting really fatigued mm-hmm. you actually it's actually can be harder to to sleep or get good quality sleep which is really interesting um so what we determined with you and we plotted this out weeks ago is that you know, instead of doing these lat, we've been in this very traditional like three weeks of building training and then a recovery week, three weeks of building training, recovery week, and we knew that this trip was going to give us the opportunity to get some extra mileage and some extra volume for you, and we decided, hey, instead of having you go through the three weeks of this build and potentially doing building too much Mm -hmm. we said why don't we make this just a two-week build and that way you can still do a lot each of those two weeks right relative to what you've been doing you know because the idea is do a little bit more each week for three weeks and then cut back and recover and had we gone through those three weeks bigger 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 that third week could quite have possibly been a little too much and irritated something in your body you know a knee a back who knows right so I feel like we were proactive and planning ahead and saying, okay, let's do two weeks instead of three. Mm-hmm. That way you can do it even a tad more. Which I did and right. handled. Right, because we knew you were coming with me and Sophia, and we tend to be more on the higher volume side of things. For sure. So if you wanted to ride more with us, you were going to be pushing that what your capabilities of volume for those two weeks. So it made sense. Well, let's just do it for two weeks, and then we'll insert that recovery week. Um, and then what we're going to do, so you're going to go home, take a bit of a recovery week. You'll still ride, but you know, lower the volume back down, keep it all easy, get recovered, refreshed, and you have some things to catch up with at home. And then when we come home and the rest of the base builder group is on their recovery week, you'll start into the aerobic threshold block that's right coming i'll get a jump start yeah you'll get a little jump start and we'll talk about that in a future episode but yeah you'll get that extra week of easing into that so then you'll actually get four weeks of that before the next recovery week
0: which i think i can handle better than doing one more week of aerobic strength because those are so high demand on like your joints right and i think my knees maybe had enough like was so fun to do those work those intervals, but I think now it's it's wise to back it off a little bit. Right,
1: right. So when you start up in, let's say a a week from now, mm-hmm. with that sort of bonus aerobic threshold week, it'll be very low volume, but you'll get to get put in some of some aerobic threshold structure, and you'll then you'll compile four weeks in a, in a row of aerobic threshold, starting at pretty low volume right. and building up to a kind of a moderate volume by the end of that. So, I thought kudos like i'm patting myself you, on the, the coach i guess well, <laughs> but I, like I thought it was a i good always <laughs>
0: think you're a good coach for me and over the years we have figured out a lot about who i am as an athlete and what i need and i'm very different than you and i you, you've figured helped me figure that out for sure um but I, I think the two-week training camp if you want to call it that that we had on the road for me was incredibly successful my fitness jumped way up I felt really good I, I could hear I feel my knee talking to me just a little bit a couple of days and I was a little bit nervous and even two days ago I turned around and came back a little early yeah I missed, oh that my gosh it was so route. hard for me but I'm like grow up Kathy like call it off it's okay if you are an hour short on this ride um, but overall I, I got logged in some like serious miles like Two solid weeks for me. I, I'm mm-hmm. really excited about it.
1: Yeah, it was really good. I mean, your TSS for the week, just to give listeners an idea, mm, it was in the 600s. Week, well, last
0: week was like 570, and what? this week was 630. Okay, so
1: an average of about 600 for And I had been around.
0: more like 350 to 450, Right, average so it, of 400 before.
1: Okay, so yeah, it was definitely a significant jump, probably a bigger jump than what I would normally prescribe, but we knew it was just going to be for two weeks instead right. of three, so you could probably do that. And the goal was to get you very close to that, like, overdoing it line, mm-hmm. right? And then be done. Right, You know, we, did, we didn't we did want to go over the line right, if we could help it, but get you close to that. So then you're, like, ready for that recovery week and your body will have a week to absorb everything you've done the last two weeks and come out the other end.
0: Yeah, and we brought further. strength training equipment with us, you know, some minimal things like a few kettlebells, some bands, things like that. So I kept up with all the things my body needs to stay activated and healthy and that's huge and you know some days i was a little bit nervous like should i do this ride is it going to work but i i was committed to being wise about it and i i said i'll ride for 20 30 minutes and if it feels like it's something that's getting aggravated i'm going to turn around and i it was shocking how i was like fine like maybe my my weird knee was talking to me for a little bit and then it would just stop so yay
1: yeah so the take-home message is Listeners out there, listen to your body. Yes, for sure. If it's giving you any kind of signals in your training that you might be doing a little too much, so that could be not sleeping well when you think you should be because you're tired, um, things on your body behaving strangely, as you said, talking.
0: Yeah, I to always you. say my knee is talking to me. <laughs> if
1: it feels tight or tingly or just abnormal for any reason, like tune into that and see is. It, is it getting worse? You know, that's that's not good. Is it staying the same or even getting better as you ride? Then that's probably okay. Keep riding. Um, things like that. So as we start to push the the envelope a little bit in terms of volume, as we come to the end of this first um, eight-week block of training in Base Builder, you know, those things can start to sprout up. Right. Um, I mean, even myself personally, my right knee, kind of like the top of my right knee, kind of where the quad sort of comes in. Mm-hmm. Like, a week ago, one to two weeks ago, I would get these... I had a few of these just super strange, like, sharpish, like, pains in them. Um, Where do you think it was from? I honestly have no idea.
0: Because that's not something you normally have.
1: I, my my hunch, thinking back, I think I the last sort of heavier weightlifting days, um, the last two... The, somewhere back there, before we left on our trip, doing mm-hmm. some heavier weightlifting, I think I just did something slightly incorrectly you know in terms of like good form okay um just sort of pushing the envelope there a little bit and i think i irritated something in my knee with that and then the subsequent rides um just had sprouted up but but it was getting better so um you know i paid attention to it and i did some extra rolling and stretching and some of the strength work we did here on the road with lighter weights and things like that i think helped kind of quote unquote correct what was going on and it's gone now like all last week it it was fine so um, but just being able to tune into that and then then second is you know you have your training plan and it's not necessarily written in stone of what you're supposed to do each week and take some liberties to adjust things like we did with your plan around you know a schedule differentiation so like we knew we were going on this trip and you know, we had three weeks to work with, but it probably wasn't a great idea to, you know, have you do tons over three weeks, so we shortened it to two weeks and modified it. And that may or may not be difficult for someone to do on their own. And that's where a custom training plan to kinda of plug plug those can be really beneficial so that I can help, just like I helped you, kinda of customize your plan. I can do that for people. But um a lot of times you just have to stop and think about it and you can kind of self customize mm-hmm. an existing plan, whether it's our plan or somebody else's plan that you're following and and make it better for you, the individual. So
0: Okay, I have two thoughts that are coming to my mind. Number one, just to be really clear to people, like that you shouldn't always be like on the edge of pushing, pushing, pushing. Like we, True, we that's did a good this point. we did this for me and for, I guess you and Sophia really are doing it too. as like a specific goal. We, we have this block of time. Where we're out of town and we're going to just get extra miles. Yeah. A just a little bit, bit yeah. of an overload. But when I'm home and like my week to week training, it would be way too stressful, like emotionally, mentally, and physically yeah. for me to be always pushing it. Like we stay pretty conservative with my training. Right. And most people should do that. You shouldn't be always nervous. Like, oh my God, is this ride going to make me injured or sick?
1: Yeah, that's a great point, point. and I've been feeling that as well. It's like our to give listeners an idea. Like last week, we did uh, seven hundred TSS. This week, eight hundred TSS. Sophia. Yeah, and it, and that's getting up to that, that's a lot of training. This third week, we're going to try to get nine hundred oh TSS. Oh my god, really? And build it up, but you know, especially early in the season, you know, being only November, that's a lot of riding. Yeah, and we're intentionally over trying to create a bit of an overload. But I can definitely feel it. Like, you know, you get a little, like, impatient with things, you know, (laughs) a little more moody, tired, um, more hungry. You know, there's all these, like, signs that you're on this limit. And I like that you pointed that out, that we're not always like that. This is, like, a short period of time. And when we get back home, we'll get back to our normal sort training loads, quote-unquote. Yeah,
0: conservative progressions. Yeah,
1: and feeling good, like, much less like a balancing act of right overloading, <laughs> right. Um, you know, of rest and recovery and, and, and feeling good day to day. So, right. uh, but there's always a time and a place to kind of push, you know, push those limits a little bit. So,
0: well, my second thought, that was my first thought about not overloading all the time. My second thought was that I'm just glad it worked out with, um, how do I say this? Like you, like, the homo- we're not homogenous group. You, Sophia and you and I are not a homogenous group. Right. Like, we have different needs. And we had different bikes. And, like, it's pretty cool it worked out that we could do, like, basically a training camp together for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Being very different athletes and having different bikes. So
1: And each meeting our own needs. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: sometimes, like, I would just ride out with you guys and then turn around if I wasn't going to ride as far, as far or... Um, you and Sophia did that group ride on your road bikes on Saturday and I just tooled around by myself for three hours in the trails. And normally I don't like riding by myself, but because I love Arizona, it was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's for me, I have to be careful. I don't compare and you constantly have to remind me of that. Like, it's okay, Kathy, that we did this and you're doing this. We're different athletes. And just because you train different ways doesn't mean you aren't going to be all awesome racers. So, right. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. And we, we see this with the kids on the team too. Like some of the boys love to ride hundreds of miles and you can't get, and, them, off you bike, can't get right? them off their bikes. And then, then they say, well, why is this other kid so amazing on his power test when he only rides half as much as we do? Well, <laughs> that's a whole other rabbit trail. But we're all different athletes. We we need different things for our training. And just because someone rides more miles than you doesn't mean they're going to be a better racer.
1: True. Yeah. Because if that was the competition, it would just be go ride all day, every day. And <laughs> right. Whoever like, rides the most is, is the winner, that, but that's not it. It's who starts and finishes and crosses the line first is the winner. And th- that's the tricky point of, of, you know, you're figuring out how you, you want to train the appropriate amount for you, the individual. Exactly. Not the most that you can train. Or the hardest you can train is right. the correct amount. That...
0: It's just a little tricky when you're around somebody who's different than you. You know mm. that that's what I'm realizing, but it's it's good. Yeah. Oh, we should definitely talk about like nutrition too, just a little bit. Like the we were talking about how we two things that we both fueled better. Uh, at least I I realize I fueled better on my rides lately and okay. been feeling so much better. Mm-hmm. And then we wanted to talk about like how your gut kind of feels after you. Carbo load during a training camp.
1: Right, right. So,
0: I guess number one, I'll just say that it was awesome to feel better for the entire ride for, for my endurance rides when i yeah. was on this trip. And I'm just, it's just been good to like fuel better and to feel better the entire time.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, don't you agree? Like, we, ta- we talked about oh, this for the other sure. day.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah. I mean, should I go in? Into- yeah, go
0: take over, <laughs> buddy. Take over.
1: Well, I, yeah. So, the, as you ride more, you need to eat more. Um, and if you're doing like a, a, a training block like we're doing where we're trying to create some sort of overload and or a little bit of one and you know, doing a little above and beyond what we quote-unquote normally do in terms of training, training volume, is that you have to fuel appropriately to be able to do that successfully. So, um, you know, and I think a lot of people, cyclists, can fall into the trap of... Two things: one, either intentionally not eating enough, thinking they're creating a caloric deficit for weight loss, which is not a, a productive thing to do um, for your training and for your health, and then, or they are riding, and because it's it is lower intensity um, this time of year, you know, you don't always necessarily feel hungry an hour and a half into a ride. And so they won't eat until like two hours into a ride. And then they're kind of behind the eight ball. Right. So when they get to like four hours into the ride, then they start to really like peter out. That all could have been avoided if you if you consume the proper amount of calories, predominantly carbohydrates, during the ride to keep, keep going and feel better throughout the rides. And also not just feel better on that one ride, but if you're doing a week or two weeks of Stretching it out, you got to keep on top of those calories before would, you need them. What
0: did we say? Yeah, eat before you're hungry. Yeah. And that's definitely something that I've been doing like this last year and it has made a huge difference for me. Yeah. Like 20, 30 minutes into a ride, I'm shoving something. You know, pulling a bar out of my pocket and
1: yeah, if you know you're going out for a whatever a long ride is for you, and again, that's all very individual, right? But let's say you're going out for like a four-hour ride, that's reasonably long or not really yeah, long that'd be for long for me, yeah. So you have to do exactly that: is like start eating a half an hour at least for the very least an hour into the ride. You need to start consuming, and really, what you need to be thinking about is consuming about half the amount of calories, give or take. It's just like a rough. Ballpark, half of the amount of calories you're expending on the ride. So if you're quote unquote burning 500 calories an hour, which for the you know 150 pound male cyclist riding an aerobic pace, that's about what you end up burning about 500 calories an hour. Then you need to be consuming about 250 calories an hour, Um, and that could be like one Cliff Bar is about 250 calories every hour, or it could be half of a Cliff Bar, or you know, 100, 125 calories of whatever, mostly carbohydrates, but whatever, um, every half an hour. You know, that that was sort of the patterning I was finding worked well. Is trying to eat something, pop something in my mouth every 30 minutes.
0: Yeah, kind of keep that blood sugar
1: exactly. steady. Because that's exactly yeah. what, what you're doing by consuming is the sugar in your blood, your blood glucose, is what your body can most easily utilize in the moment. Um, and when that dips down, it becomes... Your body does have the ability to use fat for fuel, and we are using it. That is what we're training it to do. But if you let the glucose levels dip so far down, you're actually straining the body to mm-hmm. dig into the stored carbohydrates, which are harder to get to, but they're there. And to turn fat into fuel um, is has that ability too. But what you see over the long term, if your blood glucose goes down, then your, your heart rate will rise it's very similar to like cardiac drift well it is cardiac drift but uh, most often cardiac drift is associated with temperature meaning as you get hotter
0: oh right yeah your
1: heart rate goes up well a very similar effect happens as blood glucose goes down and even more so when glycogen stores start to get depleted then there's like a cardiac drift effect as well where your your heart rate starts going up As well, so that's why at the end of a really long ride, like a five-six hour ride, if you haven't fueled properly, you feel like you're you're not going very fast. You're putting out maybe the same amount of watts, but you feel like it's taking a lot more effort. And you'll see it; your heart rate will be higher. Um, And then eventually, as your glucose, um, sorry, your glycogen gets really depleted, and probably glucose levels too, you. I feel like you're pushing super. And this is more on the extreme end. You feel like you're pushing as hard as you can, and your heart rate's like at sixty percent heart rate because that's all you can do because you've basically you ran out of fuel. It's like starting the actual like bonking process.
0: Yeah, and I every single ride we did. I, it sounds like I'm bragging, but I'm just so excited I finally figured this out after ten years. <laughs> I felt like I could just keep going forever and ever and ever and ever. And I didn't want to stop writing. And you'd say, Kathy, you probably, I mean, you're already pushing what we said you were going to do today. I'm like, I feel so good. Right. But I mean, for years I would just not eat enough. I don't don't know why I was so clueless. And I remember many rides, one in particular in Crested Butte, where I was like sobbing under a tree because I was so hungry. And you're like, oh girl, (laughs) Yeah. eat some food.
1: (laughs) Well, in theory, if you keep, your blood sugar, your blood glucose levels up, glycogen levels minimize from being depleted by eating carbohydrates as you ride at a, you know, low to moderate pace. In theory, you could go on forever because you have enough fat stores to keep that burning, but you need the carbohydrates with it because it's always a combination of the two and it's relative to how quickly or how hard you're working, how quickly you're moving, but you could go on forever. Now that's not actually true because other things in your body begin to give you problems right whatever it is your butt starts hurting your other muscles in your neck and things like that start giving out so you, you couldn't truly ride forever but yeah but it's nice theory, to feel that way right <laughs> um, from a fueling standpoint you could ride forever if you keep trickling in the carbohydrates so that's why things like the carbohydrate drinks and the gels were created those are fast acting to Absorb—they're easy to eat, quick to eat, and it keeps your blood glucose levels up. But in endurance yeah. rides, those aren't always the best choice. And maybe that's like the second part of what you mentioned.
0: Yeah. Well, we both were lamenting, kind of our bellies feeling full the last two weeks, or especially like this week, as last week's um, rides and cal- uh, carbohydrate consumption caught up to us. Mm-hmm. And Sophia was saying too, like we all had gas and like, oh,
1: yeah. <laughs> it's
0: like so many bars. That you shove it in your mouth, it kind of does start upsetting your tummy after a while. Yeah,
1: and that's a big thing. I mean, triathletes, any long course triathletes out there know exactly what we're talking about. That nutrition is the 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 well for them the fourth discipline um, mm-hmm. of the sport and figuring out how to do that because when you start, the more you ride, the more carbohydrates you need to support the riding. But then your digestive system has to be able to process those carbohydrates, and that's where you can run into problems. And then if, depending on what you're eating, if it's not the best quality, meaning if it has cheaper oils and you know fats and and just not the best quality ingredients, right. that can upset one's stomach as well and lead to non ideal bowel movements and <laughs> gas and things like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <so. laughs> I
0: know. So I think for the next next training block where we're down here i'm gonna i really like to make my own bars if anyone has a great like bar recipe recipe send it to me because i I would like to make something for ourselves that doesn't have canola oil in it and you know more healthy ingredients
1: yeah it's tricky i mean i think the go-to is like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches like good quality peanut butter good quality bread jelly um you know
0: dates bananas dates
1: and bananas things like that um a little bit of Sugars like gummy, whatever's, are fine here and there. Um, we were we've leaned heavily on the SIS Science and Sport bars recently, and I think for a mass-produced bar, it's a pretty good one. But like any of the other bars, they're they're very dense in carbohydrates, which is a good thing because it keeps us fueled. But it's also tricky to digest, and when you're eating four of them on a ride or something, it's like, that's a lot of
0: Yeah, I just feel like I'm full down of my intestines. And, yeah.
1: Um, so the more, <sighs> quote unquote, real food you can eat on those endurance rides, I think the better. But Yeah. Um, but it is a tricky balance of figuring that out. And then I think to sum this up or wrap it up is like, once you're done with the bike ride, like before, I guess, and then after the bike ride, when you're not on your bike maximizing the good quality foods and to fill in the gaps right so you kind of have the less nutritious like more fueling concepted foods while you're riding right but beforehand get the really good high fiber like oatmeal and get some fruits and some good fats in there and then have like the vegetables and the lean meats and things like that afterwards um to fill in the void of the quote-unquote, junk food that you're eating on the bike, I guess. Yeah, that's true. And that's a trap that's easy to fall into because the more you ride, the more calories you burn, then you're, like, hungry the rest of the day, so it's you're more prone to, like, grabbing the potato chips or whatever <laughs> your, your vice is. And, like, visiting here with my dad, oh, I mean, God. he brings two dozen of Krispy Kris- Kreme Donuts home. It's like, Dad, why did you do that? You're trying to be, like, fun. and.
0: I know, he's being the fun grandpa. Like, yeah. hey, girls, look what grandpa brought I can't, you.
1: I know I can't avoid that sort of stuff. You, I tried my best. But...
0: I found you sneaking into the popcorn tin.
1: Yeah, he has, like, the, you know, quote, nasty in terms of health. Yeah,
0: like the Boy with, Scout popcorn of the, yeah, tin. Yeah, the bad
1: oils and sugars and stuff. And it's hard to avoid that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, at home, we don't have that stuff, so you would just avoid it. But... Now we're at somebody else's house yeah, and it's been kind of funny. you're riding a lot and you reach for the less good stuff and then it rips up your stomach even more. So, um, it's just so fascinating to me. I love talking about food and nutrition, what it does, what we eat, what it does to our, our bodies and how does it support us or hurt us? And mm.
0: Well, should you just go right into that question that we, we had about nutrition or losing weight during this off season?
1: Yeah, I guess we could. Um, Since
0: we're on the topic of food.
1: Yeah, one, one question I had, I guess we should. We've been rambling on for a while here, getting into the, the main questions. But um, <laughs> the one was, it was an email from a custom training plan athlete um, basically saying, and this isn't quoted, but I just sort of wrote down some notes. So like, essentially, he's like, I need to lose 15 pounds. Um, you know, how do I do this while balancing training? Um, And he also specifically asked, should I do fasted rides? That's kind of a popular thing, too. Um, I would die. Right. I think that um, a lot of people are in this position this time of year um, in terms of being a little, quote-unquote, overweight or not at their ideal body composition. And that's okay because it is November. Um, But this probably the single best way to improve one's performance, if you are carrying extra weight, is to get rid of that extra weight. I mean, more so than getting any stronger in the gym, or riding any more miles, or doing more intervals, or getting a more expensive bike, losing, if you're carrying more than 10 extra pounds, getting rid of that is key to seeing improvement, performance improvements. Um, and this is the time of year. To be doing that as we're in this off season, off from racing, we're training, but we're not racing. And this is when you can put some extra thought and emphasis into improving one's diet. That's where I'd start first and then adjusting the caloric intake in terms of the timing throughout the day um, and trying to get down the your body weight. It's just so tricky mass. because
0: I can see why people who want to lose weight would then not feel like it's a good idea to eat on their rides
1: right like we so were just talking hard, about, yeah. yeah yeah and that is a tricky phase but see, so you have to fuel to perform and I personally am not a fan of fasted rides I think that they're it's pretty extreme I think it works well in some areas of, of some for some people Um, most, if not all of the studies I've read, it, it can work and there is some health benefits for people that are not athletes. Basically, if you're extremely out of shape, like you're not training regularly. And so anyone listening to the show here, I'm assuming you're riding your, your cyclist and you are an athlete of some variety. If someone is like obese and is trying to correct their health, there are some strong arguments for doing like fasted training or exercising, um, but I think from a performance standpoint, there's little, if anything, to to be gained um, in that. From studies and things that mm-hmm. I've read and listened to, and things like that, and um, I just don't think it's a, a great I- idea because you 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 need to fuel. If you're if you're doing fasted training, that is putting you into a catabolic state, meaning you may be losing fat but you're also losing muscle. And when you lose muscle, unless you're coming into the sport from a weightlifting background and you're huge and you have muscle to lose, which most of us don't, that's not a a good trade-off. You don't want to lose fat and muscle. You want to slowly lose the fat while maintaining or even increasing the muscle. Um, And in order to do that, you have to fuel yourself properly so your training is successful. That's the most important thing is having that successful training and then just letting the nutrition and body composition take care of itself and find what's right for you as the individual. Right, I don't right. Know if that makes sense. No,
0: it does. I'm thinking a couple of things. I yeah. I'm thinking about how you experimented a few months ago on one of our coffee shop recovery rides. It was going to be like yeah, two hours for fun. Hours. Yeah. And for fun yeah, I can't remember exactly what you did, but you didn't eat much. And you, oh, I
1: could, didn't eat anything.
0: You, oh, you could barely make it back home.
1: Yeah. Well, that's just it. Like fasted riding. Cause I have done it just as an experiment to see here and there. It's, it's not fun. It's miserable. Yeah. It's miserable. And most of us, if not all of us are doing, pursuing cycling for enjoyment. Um, <laughs> right. I mean even if we take it pretty seriously like I do I'm still doing this is still like fun and it's right. supposed to be fun and putting you your body through that is not fun Mm-mm. and a super slow easy you know quote unquote recovery ride becomes like torture and those... Torture
0: you could barely make it up <laughs> that last hill if you want to call it a hill to our house We were Sophie yeah. and I were laughing at you
1: Right Yeah and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier—it's like I was riding home very easy, like less than 150 watts or whatever, and my heart rate was like 130, which normally <laughs> it would be like 100 or lower, or lower. And um, at that power output, and yeah, that's because my blood glucose levels were non-existent. I was must have been dipping into you know glycogen stores at 150 watts. That's or Hilarious.
0: Whatever. So um, wh- what did you tell this this guy who wrote in?
1: Well, I suggested that, you know, I told my opinion on fasted rides. And again, I'm not a dietitian or a scientist, and you know, we're coaches and we're looking at this from like a real-world applicable standpoint. That fasted rides are not fun. I don't think there's tons of value in there um, to, to to doing that unless you're carrying like large amounts. If you're if you're 50 pounds overweight or more. There may be some benefits, but then there's also some other things you need to address to get your life more healthful. I
0: feel like at that point you should just be consulting with a dietitian. Sure,
1: absolutely, and they may or may not suggest fasted rides. Yeah, um, because I think that's I have, beyond
0: our purview. Right.
1: There, I've read some books recently that if you are extremely overweight and unhealthy, then there is benefits to doing fast, you know, long fasts as well as like fasted exercise to improving things, to get, like, your insulin resistance corrected and everything. But if we're speaking to someone who's already training a lot, you're already fit in the eyes of the world, and you want to become more fit, you know, I don't think fasted rides is the the key. So the key is improving your training and gaining more power um, and becoming faster, which you need to do through proper eating. So what I suggest, and this is something that my coach years and years ago kind of steered me towards as well and this is before the whole concept of like fasted riding and things but this was sort of along those lines without actually giving it this title is structure your food um your your daily diet to be and we've, I think we've talked about this before but have breakfast be your largest meal of the day cuz that's what's going to fuel you through the day and fuel your workout then Lunch is your second largest meal, you know, it gets a little smaller. And then dinner is small. And then the other key is dinner is early. Eat early. If you have weight loss, if you have fat loss to lose, fat to lose, then eat by five. And is it easy to do in, in today's world? No, but make it a priority and figure out how you can do that. Eat at five o'clock and then don't eat again until breakfast. So you are, quote unquote, Getting into somewhat of a fasted state while you're asleep but then you wake up and then you refuel with a good quality breakfast and you're ready to take on your day so you're not compromise you're doing you're getting a little bit of the fasted benefits without compromising your physical expenditure and your performance and training because you are doing your training now fueled whenever you train throughout the day because you've eaten breakfast lunch and a little dinner Um, and that over time combined with good training, I think leads to those body composition changes. Does that make sense?
0: No, it's good. It's just a shift of perspective. You know, it's not about um, eliminating breakfast. It's just about stopping. It's it's beneficial to stop eating earlier in the evening so that you have more hours to let your body process all the food that's in your system. Right.
1: Recover and you rest, rest so that yeah. it doesn't
0: have to keep processing.
1: Exactly. Give it a Give break. it a rest. Right. <laughs> <Jeeks>. <laughs> that's exactly it um and we've talked a little bit about um i think way back episode number nine we talked about nutrition periodization okay. and that ties into this a little bit and then also lastly before we move to the next question is look at improving the quality of your diet too because that may may or may not but may be an issue um, that's preventing you from losing those last five to ten pounds or whatever it is so um episode 46 deep nutrition we called it um really talked about the quality of one's diet and what you can eliminate what you can add um to really improve your your healthfulness first and foremost and that leads to ideal body composition yeah
0: that episode was based on a book we read called deep nutrition right so if nothing else just Get, order that book online. Yeah,
1: great book. So listen. Deep to, Nutrition. Yeah, and we have a link in that episode to, to that book on Amazon. So um, really good stuff there. All right.
0: All right. Which question should we tackle next?
1: Um, I
0: jumped you out of order just a Yeah, no, bit. no,
1: it's, it's totally fine. Um, well, here's one um, we had from a base builder athlete, um, Zach, the other oh, yeah, night on yeah, our yeah. team call, um, our Zoom team call on the base builder, is that he was really interested in doing test right doing some testing to kind of set some benchmarks his training has been kind of up and down from the sound of it he's, he's the, a dad he's a dad he's a busy professional work yeah he has a busy job he, he loves to ride his wife also is a great rider and ride so they're balancing you know their own training amongst the family um and he wanted he felt like he wanted to get a test in
0: i think the last time he had tested was in back in our studio in like february it had been a while yeah, yeah. So he was wondering if his FTP was set correctly in training peaks and should he test so that he can, you know, get his zones correct and his training scores
1: correct. Right. And I think, I think we both agree that is why, is if it's... For sure. Really, you in in my opinion, you should be doing these tests anytime there's a significant change in your fitness, whether it's up or down. So if you come off of an off season or a, sorry, a transition, like recovery season, you know, in between seasons. Mm -hmm. Um there's likely you've lost some fitness. That's normal. It's expected. You're supposed to do that. But then you probably at some point soon thereafter need to do a test. Um, And we chose to not have our base builder athletes start out with a test this year.
0: Why is that? (laughs)
1: Uh, I was thinking a lot of them either either could estimate where they are now. and And we weren't training by power, so it wasn't super critical to have the power numbers. That's true um we were training by heart rate because it's all the lower intensity aerobic stuff um so i just didn't want to complicate things for the newer people joining us this year and having them like test right out of the blocks and quite honestly like doing a hard test after you've taken two weeks or a month of little to no training as a season transition is not fun either so um
0: in other words, you didn't want to scare everyone away right at right the beginning. To,
1: exactly. And I didn't feel like it was ultra important, but I do appreciate Zach's interest in wanting to get a better idea of wh- where he's at. So it's like this
0: yeah,
1: th- this balance of what should one do. So at any rate, I agree with Zach that it would be quote unquote better to, to figure out where, where exactly he's at. And his main question is like, when should I do that? Mm-hmm. Um, And you had
0: well. You said to him that coming up was a test scheduled. That we have one more week of solid training, then a recovery week. And at, and the, at the end, the of, end that... of the recovery week, you had a test scheduled.
1: Right, kind of in the middle, middle to end. Yeah.
0: And sure, ideally that would be the best. You know, from a training perspective, if someone has been able to, you know, check mark all the boxes as they've gone along for the first two months, then they would be tired. And waiting until the middle to end of the recovery week would probably give them the best test results.
1: Yeah, the most accurate. Sure, sure.
0: But I, my feeling after I heard your answer was okay. Yes, in a perfect world, that's true, Coach Cody. But if knowing Zach's busy life, I, I, I said Zach, I have a feeling you, you probably have missed some some workouts here and mm-hmm. there, so you may not be as exhausted as. Or tired as Cody thinks you are, and and he said, yeah, that's true. And he sort of giggled a little bit about that, and I'm like, yeah, that's totally normal. You're a busy, a, a busy adult. So my feeling was to him that if you, if you have an a, an interest and you are motivated to do this test, jump on that because it takes a lot of energy, physical energy, emotional energy, mental energy to execute a test. I mean, it, it can be very stressful for some people, mm-hmm. myself included, because it's going to be painful and it you really want to push yourself like a race effort. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dude, if you wake up tomorrow morning and you're feeling like I'm doing this today, jump on just that trainer and just do the damn right. test. And he knows how to do it from being in class.
1: Right, right. No, that's good advice for sure. Um,
0: Sometimes it, that's just how it goes, right? Yeah.
1: And he was recognizing like... Some fitness has changed, Mm -hmm. whether it was up or down. I'm not exactly sure, but he's recognizing a change, so it's time to do a test. Do you wait until the next test on the schedule rolls around, or you just do it? And yeah, I think for many people, just doing it—if it's in your mind to do it—go do it and get it. Yeah, like
0: maybe you're on a easy ride and you're riding along. You're like, oh my god, I feel really good today. I'm just gonna like crank out a four minute effort. I mean, why why not? Right? Why not?
1: For sure. And we've talked about our testing protocol episode 12, um, way back. If you're curious on how we do testing, we do do it a little bit differently and we are going to do an episode coming up because it is the first test of our base builder program is coming up. Yeah. So I think maybe next week or okay. if not the week after we'll specifically address the test, um, again, cause there's a lot to kind of talk about and our test is a little bit different than the standard and, um. It's fun to talk about, but it'll be helpful for okay. listeners potentially following our, our training program. So, um, we'll do that. But yeah, if you feel like testing, just get after it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's see what else here. Um, well, here's one from a remote, another remote base builder athlete, um, via, I think our train heroic app, um, questions. That's how we deliver our strength training program. And one little side note on that we've been doing, um, the strength, the at-home strength training program that you designed for this year um, on the road here, which is great because not only because it uses minimal equipment, not only can you do these at home, but when you're traveling as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. If you're driving, at least, you can bring a kettlebell or two and some bands and maybe even a ball if you have room for it and pump it up when you get to wherever you're going. And that's been working out great. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well. Uh, it's been,
0: oh thank you very much. It's been awesome. We we did a couple workouts in the Prescott campground. We've been out in your dad's backyard doing the workouts. We did one at another place. Mobile. Like they're just yeah. so awesome, right? Um,
1: and we had one listener say or one user say um, something. Well, you got the question. It was like my core oh, was yeah. super weak or something. Yeah.
0: Well, he he's he didn't do core or strength. Really all summer. Well, I think once quarantine hit and he wasn't at the gym.
1: Right. I think that's so a lot he, of people. We didn't like...
0: have it set up, you know, as an at-home app. He didn't have equipment at home. He was coming to the gym twice a week to do strength. And when quarantine hit and everything closed, it really derailed his routine. So it had been, my gosh, what is that, seven, eight months? Six, seven? I've lost mm-hmm. track of the months myself. But
1: Well, you basically lose... Anything. And
0: Yeah, and he was riding his bike outside and, and, and whatnot, but he hadn't done really anything. So the first month was a little brutal, getting back into the, the routine of moving his body in different ways. Mm-hmm. But even after a month, he commented on, number one, how much stronger he was feeling already, and number two, that he never again wanted to go that long without doing yeah. core work because he couldn't believe how weak he'd become.
1: Right, so how can you avoid this in the future, Put simply, is strength maintenance work. Yeah. And we had a whole episode, episode number 32, on that. But when you finish your off-season base building strength progressions is making sure you maintain the strength. And we have a program um, over the years past how to do that, but you'll work on a new one for this coming race season, so we have some time still, of yeah, for sure at-home strength maintenance. So, one, you can maintain the strength gains you made and then avoid... The soreness that could possibly come when you resume, if you let some time elapse, for sure, right between base yep. seasons.
0: So keep it up. It's just so good to move your body in different ways. Besides, if you're just running all the time, or you're you're just riding your bike all the time, you're 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 in one plane of motion. Mm-hmm. Did I say that correctly? I yeah. Believe so. And it's just good to move your body in different ways. We 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 do planks, we jump, we pull we push and we lift weights and it's just so healthy for us so blah 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 but it's just it was fun to hear a good you know kind of kudos from him and and just motivation for himself to keep keep it up moving forward
1: right right definitely keep up the strength training and and honestly the the older you get the more critical (laughs) it is for sure as a young you know if you're under 30 you can kind of get away from the weights during the race season and and be fine um but once you're over 30, you've got to keep the strength training. In well, there. you you're say around. that,
0: but it, you remember, like, some of the kids this summer didn't strength train either because they didn't have it set up at home.
1: Mm-hmm. And... Oh, they'll still be sore oh, when they, they come well, back. And yeah. It'll be hard, but... Well,
0: I'm thinking about how they did that one race down in Castle Rock at the end of August, and, like, Jack's back was killing him after the race. Right.
1: Well, I said he could get away with it. Yeah, he wasn't comfortable. Yeah, he wasn't comfortable. <laughs> best way to do it. Um, All right,
0: what else do we have on that list of yours?
1: Um, let's see, another, let's see, oh, I thought this was a really good question. Another one from a b- base builder athlete that's been with us for a number of seasons. Um, his question was one he got as he was out riding with a friend of his, they were, you know, and he had a lot of time to think, um, about the training he's been doing and, and put in a nutshell, again, this isn't verbatim here. I just sort of jotted down some notes, but his question was basically, why do we train a, a energy system for a period of time, and then move on to another system um, during like the base training s- season, okay? Um, our base builder program, essentially. Um, and what he's getting at is like, and for those that are unfamiliar with our program, you know, we start on the low intensity end of things when we start out base builder, um, working on the like aerobic energy system, and then we move. As the program progresses, we move kind of, quote unquote, this is not scientific, but like energy system to energy system, meaning we're getting higher intensity as we go. So a classic pattern we've done in the past is, you know, the aerobic work, the aerobic strength work, and then we do what we call our aerobic threshold, which is um, kind of that zone three type of effort. Then we go into anaerobic or lactate threshold, um, VO2 max, anaerobic power, and depending on the year we've done it where we focus, you know, two to three weeks per energy system as moving up. Um, and he was just curious of like, you know, why do we do it that way in, in the base season? And then he's like, if we're the other part of his question was, you know, in the, in the race season, cause he's always, um, he's just done the base builder with us. And then he kind of goes and enjoys the summer riding. Um, you know, what does the the race season look like? Would you be training, like, all of these systems?
0: Oh, like mixing it all in together. Right. Okay.
1: Um, and my answer was, you know, we do, we, we do do exactly that. You know, we train kind of a system. I mean, that's a loose term because it's all... Everything we're training is part of the aerobic system. Mm-hmm. Um, we do do a tiny bit of... An, I mean, strength training is anaerobic work, but... Um, even VO2s and all that stuff, it's, it's all training the aerobic system. It's a big system. But those individual zones, and, and we do train those for a period of time and move on to the next one. And that is very classical periodization. I mean, that's where that term comes from. It's like you're focusing on one emphasis for a period of time before moving on to another one. Um, And we can do that in the off season or the base training season because we're so far away from our events, like our A races or our goal of target events, that we have the freedom to be able to focus on these specific energy systems, um, you know, for however long a time we want before moving on to the next one. And by doing so, it just lets you sort of improve one area of your fitness at a time as you go being that we're not going to ask ourselves to pr- perform at a high level at any point during the base season um, of it, at any important event event anyway, it's okay if we lose some strength or ability in other systems. So when you're training, you know, the low-intensity aerobic side of things, you're inevitably giving up some of, some of your ability at the high-intensity sort of thing. That's why if you... Or training aerobically for many weeks and you go jump into like a fast-paced group ride or you do just a fun local non-important race and you go hard it's like whoa that was really felt really hard and right, maybe right. you're even like fatigued or coughing the rest of the day because you hadn't gone that hard in a long time well you lost some of that ability to go really hard at the top end because you've been focused so much on the low end in this example so when, when you gain in one area you inevitably lose in another Quote unquote, right? So, and that's okay because we're a ways away from asking ourselves to do our best performance. So, you move through these systems progressively, um, and it's just a great way to kind of have these training blocks to give you something to focus on and, and improve in one area at a time, kind of build up. The idea is we go from low intensity to high intensity. That's a very classical periodized method. Um, And then when we end our base season, base builder, we've gone through all these energy systems, we're at a higher level of fitness, and then we can move on to our more event-specific fitnesses. Because now maybe when we're in the base builder block, we're many weeks, if not months, away from like a peak performance. But when we're finished with base builder, building our base, we are now maybe as close as a month, month month and a half, possibly, right. depending on what event you're training for, maybe as long as three months from a peak performance. But at any rate, you're getting much closer to asking yourself to perform. And then the training can get a lot more specific. Um, and to that side of the question, it's very, very event specific. Whereas the base builder program, and we've said this before, is really works for all types of cyclists. If you're a roadie, a mountain bike, gravel, if you're a short power, you know, cross-country mountain bike or crit, cycle cross type of athlete, or you're more of like the long endurance, you know, gravel racer, marathon mountain bike, um, century plus, you know, rider, um, it works for everybody because you're just building the very like general pieces of fitness as we Mm -hmm. go through those. Um, progressions and training base kind of system to system but then when we switch over and to get more specific with the race prep training that's when it becomes very event specific because someone training for a cross-country mountain bike or crits or something is going to be doing different training than someone training for Leadville 100 that's like a multi-hour you know long ride um and then you have to think about other things like course related too. Is it flat? Is it hilly? Is oh
0: right, it, for sure.
1: All those you know, and, and and even weather. Is it cold? Is it hot? You know, all those sorts of things. The closer you get to your races, the more specific the training needs to get, and more similar the, to event event day. You know, the specificity becomes way more important. So, um, so to answer that, most cases, yes, when you're in that race prep, you are training multiple training energy systems throughout the week or training block that, that you are in, if that kind of makes sense. So I thought that was a great question, and I could tell it's one of those ones where, you know, you're out on a long ride and you're just <laughs> thinking, like, oh, okay, we've been training, you know, this, you know, aerobic strength for many weeks, and I know the next block's going to this aerobic threshold. And it's like, yeah, you'll you'll improve your aerobic strength, and then when we switch over to the aerobic threshold, you will, quote unquote, lose some of that aerobic strength, but you're not going to lose all of it. No, yeah. So you build it up to a super high level. Maybe it trickles down, but then at the same time, you're improving the aerobic threshold side of things. So you are improving your overall fitness. You you know, while you're losing some of that aerobic strength, you're gaining the aerobic threshold. And then when we get into the high intensity stuff, you'll lose some of the aerobic end, but you'll gain the high end, top end stuff. And you're just becoming more fit and then you get more specific yeah. i kind of rambled on no
0: that. it's okay you know i really like having the multiple weeks right now to focus on a, a certain aspect of the training like a, a zone or a discipline or a type of workout right whatever word you want to use to describe it mm-hmm. because then you can see some improvement yes you know if, if you're just okay so for example these aerobic strength intervals where we're going out and doing Two to twenty minutes at a low cadence big gear. Right. If I just sort of intermittently did that workout, I don't know if I'd ever really see improvement, but right now we're doing it twice a week for two months and I've seen my watts go up as I've increased the minutes. Yeah. Which right. so it's like a it's been so That's cool. Awesome, you yeah. know, if if before I was holding 170 watts for the four minute ones and mm-hmm. now I'm holding 185 for the ten minute ones with even, you know, less break, I, it feels huge. And I wouldn't have seen that improvement if I were just like randomly once in a while doing that workout.
1: Right. that That's a great point. And that's, yeah, you nailed it. So it's like you get time because we're so far away from a peak performance that you have time to focus on some specific things for extended periods of time, improve those things, and then move yeah. on to the next. And then when we get closer to race prep, you know, when we're in our race prep and closer to race performance day, then the training's usually more varied because most races, especially mass start races, you're using all your energy Absolutely. Systems. I mean, everything from endurance to the highest of intensity. So, and everything in between. So you got to be kind of ready for, for that, mm-hmm. um, for, for most people. So, um, kind of goes back to like our, when you were coaching CrossFit many years back of like. You know, we were dabbling in CrossFit in those as our strength training in the off season and stuff, and um, and it was
0: fun. But it was super we, fun. It and, was so varied. You didn't yeah. often see improvement,
1: right? Because every workout was so different. You were like ready for anything, which was awesome. But you never actually got good at any one thing because you didn't it took, do it enough. It
0: took so much longer to get good at something, right? Like if you were learning a skill like toes to bar, but then you didn't. And so you did that on a Tuesday, but then you didn't have toes to bar scheduled for another. Fifteen days, three months, whatever. Then, how could you get better at toes to Bar? Right. And you know, opposite, you, you you're doing aerobic threshold intervals twice a week for two months. You are sure as hell going to see improvement by the end of those two months. Right. And it's super motivating. It's super encouraging, and you know you've like built that true base, so you're going to be a better endurance athlete.
1: Right. Exactly. So that's kind of the reasoning behind that yeah, periodization. Good
0: question. Concept. So.
1: Um,
0: cross that one, cross that
1: one off alright, um, maybe, what do we got time maybe two more questions here um, another question from an email um, improving, oh this was about you know again, I'll um, summarize the question here it's basically, the person said, I'm not that great at riding hills relative to my riding buddies um, feeling like the slowest rider um, uphill you know, I want to get better. Um, the question was, you know, is it important to ride, actually ride hills, like do hill train, reekies, on train on hills, versus sticking to the plan and training aerobically to get to improve my aerobic system.
0: Mm.
1: You know what what is more important, or what will get me up the hill more quickly?
0: And It couldn't be both. I mean, is it because riding hills would pop the heart rate up too high? So maybe staying off the hills is better to be aerobic. But then how do you get better at going up the hill?
1: I think that's the the conundrum there. The conundrum. Good word. conundrum, yeah. Um, So we can tackle this.
0: Yeah, that's a good one.
1: Fairly quickly. It's essentially from a physics standpoint, when you're riding uphill, we're talking about moving your mass. So that's you and your bike and whatever equipment you have. Up the hill so we're talking about watts per kilogram the the amount of work the power you're putting out compared to how much your total package weighs to get up the hill the steeper the hill the more important that becomes or more critical that becomes more of an effect that be, has um, so you need to improve your two things you need to improve your fitness to produce more watts and that comes from aerobic training as well as other types of training. But like I said before, all the training we do is aerobic. Um, But hitting all that, getting more fit, essentially, to produce more watts. But then also perhaps lightening one's self, either your body or your equipment or that sort of thing, to get lighter. Um, I mean, it's it's basically a mathematical equation. So that's where you need to figure that. Aspect out, I guess. Is, yeah, yeah. Um, most people have some weight to to lose, whether it's their bike or themselves, um, as well as improve their aerobic fitness, so they can continue to pedal more watts as they go up the hill. Um,
0: okay, so let's let's just imagine that person has leaned out their body to a really healthy, strong body weight, okay. and they've spent the money. on a great bike that's lightweight and 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 still serves and sturdy right right right. um then how do they get better at riding hills
1: so then what you need to do is work on that aerobic energy system and basically improve the watts you can hold over x number of minutes of the hill um and that comes from training so Short answer is, riding hills, you get better at riding hills. that, so simplistic. <laughs> but if you don't have hills, because there are athletes we coach that live in geographical areas that don't have hills to ride, and they want to be able to, so you, it, you don't have to train on hills to actually get better at hills, although it helps, and it's easier, more effective to ha- actually have hills to ride on if you do, because... Riding hills, it's it's also a muscular strength aspect. Um, how hard you can push on the pedals or how much force you can create on the pedals. That's the muscular side. And then how long can you continue pedaling or what cadence can you pedal? And that's the aerobic side. The, um, you know, util- taking our fats and carbohydrates and metabolizing them into energy to be able to sustain that force that you're doing. So on the force side of things to get stronger, you can lift weights, um, the aerobic strength intervals that we do, um, those bigger gear, low cadence, Mm -hmm. um, things will create that muscle tension, improves the force side of the equation. And then all of our other training that we do on the bike, including that is all aerobic. We're training our cardiovascular system to be able to process our, metabolize our um, fats and carbs for fuel to keep us going so um I but mean specific,
0: that... well specifically what did you answer this person that to come that the ideal solution is to combine low intensity aerobic rides with some hill work
1: yes <laughs> essentially so and you can do that if you don't have Hills geographically where you live, you or or you're di- short on daylight and you got to be inside. You can do these on a trainer. Um, this the big is gear work, the big gear work, the aerobic strength work that we've been doing in in the base builder program, um, and honestly, just improving your aerobic engine because you have to have the endurance to keep pushing on the pedals over extended periods, you know, over the duration of the climbs, and be and not go quote unquote anaerobic where you run out of gas essentially right so take someone who's not in great shape send them up a hill a minute or two or three into it their heart rate's as high as it can go and they have to stop and, and take a breath right because they're not aerobically fit so you just training the aerobic system even on flat ground
0: is going to benefit them for when they're more fit they can
1: ride hills better yes exactly
0: and I would say another component of why you would want to train on hills if you're aerobically fit enough to keep your heart rate low enough to get up the hill at an aerobic heart rate mm-hmm. is that if you're a mountain biker, you have to work on that those pedaling skills of being able to apply pressure on the pedal all the way, all the way around the pedal stroke Right. Um, on trails versus like if you're on a road bike, there's not really a technical skill to get up a hill. Not as much,
1: yeah, yeah, um, for sure. So, yeah. So
0: mixing it up a little bit, you got to get the low intensity aerobic work in and you need to practice on hills. But if you can't keep your heart rate low enough on the hills, then you need to stay off the hills for some time until you get more fit.
1: Right. Right. And I mean, it comes down to you have to get yourself as fit as possible. So whatever it is you're facing, if it's hills or wind or um, whatever, whatever resistance, you know, you're going against, you can maintain pedaling right through fitness and then as an incline increases it's just challenging you more to keep pedaling and you have to have the muscular endurance and the aerobic fitness and they kind of go together in many cases to to keep pedaling um, and then as a side note make yourself and your bike as light as you can um, and be healthy and not have your bike fall apart on you because it's too light that sort of thing. <laughs> nice. so, um,
0: that's a good question, though.
1: Yeah, it's a good one, and what? I think it's one that people wonder, at least if not ask themselves all the time. Like, I hear that a lot of people, like, uh, I'm not a good climber, or you know, those sorts of things. But and to be smaller and lighter is definitely beneficial. But if if you are a larger person, it doesn't like rule you out. I mean, there's plenty of people in the world tour level that are large, tall, and or muscular, large, heavy people. They climb very, very well.
0: That is so true. The, the last World Cup we watched, I was sort of amazed at the wide variety of body shapes and sizes, especially in the in the female group that I saw, and it was it was yeah. awesome.
1: Yeah, you see the visually drastic. Yeah, you don't in the need to be
0: sure. like this teeny little waif to be a good climber. There right. were several bigger build girls that were like just railing it and yeah. nailing it up those. Climbs. Yeah, if you're
1: a bigger person or you prefer a bigger, heavier bike, then. Um, cause I'm thinking like mountain bikers that like a, a bike that can descend well, it's gonna be a little bit heavier, right? so it's a trade-off, but you still want to be able to climb. Then you have to really improve your fitness, more Watts, more fitness can make up for a heavier body or a heavier bike. Um, and in most cases I would choose to get more Watts than less weight, you know, for people that are like, Oh, I got to you know, save a few grams on my bike or, oh, I got a, like these couple of last pounds I need to lose. That's going to make a very small impact where compared to if you could improve your four minute power by 20 Watts, that would make a much bigger impact than losing a, a small amount of weight. Um, so I, in most cases prefer more Watts over less weight.
0: Okay. Got it. Um, what do you think? Should we do another question or save them for another episode it's
1: been Uh, yeah maybe we should save them okay we can save save for another episode these are
0: good episodes so send your questions in send your comments it's great well they your thoughts and your questions prompt a lot of good conversation
1: yeah definitely so um yeah email us cody at teamweight.com or kathy at teamweight.com um send us questions we'll answer you directly and um you know we can ones that we think other people might have maybe we'll share on the show and then um also consider um checking out our base builder training plans um, on our website weightendurance.com and then also our uh, custom training plans as well where we can make the training plan specifically for you um your life and your goals and that sort of thing um
0: yeah that's an awesome option for people yeah
1: that's what i've been working on a lot lately while we've been traveling is different people's custom plans so I like doing that. We create your whole season through the annual training plan. Um, so you get a good idea of how the whole training progression works and set it up to, to meet your needs. So, um, all right.
0: All right. Well, thanks for listening and happy writing. Yes. Talk to you soon.
1: Talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye. Everything we discuss on the Weight Endurance Podcast, we integrate into our annual Base Builder training program and downloadable training plans.
0: Our Base Builder program is an annual online virtual group training program with us as your coaches, allowing you to build your best cycling base fitness possible. prepare you for your next riding season.
1: We also offer downloadable training plans for base building, cycling specific strength training and specialized race preparation for road, gravel, mountain bike racing and everything in between.
0: Consider our training plan subscription service where you gain access to all of our training plans for as little as $20 per month. This allows you to easily switch between plans to create your most complete annual training progression.
1: Regardless of the type of cyclist you are, by becoming a part of the weight endurance training community. You're allowing us to help you become a fitter and faster cyclist.